We're going to be in Hebrews 11 this morning. And this is known often as the Hall of Heroes. We find listed in this passage a list of those that have gone on before us and for various reasons have been included in this passage that gives them honor. They, they are heroes of faith. And uh, we are going to go through that next week. We're going to look at what they each individually contributed to be in this hall of faith. But, but for today, I'd like to just reside in the first three verses of Hebrews. Because my question for us this morning is, has God grown silent or have we become deaf to his voice. Has God grown silent or have we become deaf to his voice? Folks, I know you can agree with me. The world seems like it gets crazier and crazier every day. The pace to stay ahead is, is mind-numbing. And, and the game to, to just catch your breath can be exhausting. But we must remember this fact, that the world has gone crazy from the very moment sin entered into the world. From the very first moment at the fall of Adam and Eve, Eden was perfect until Adam and Eve fell. And it's been going out of cycle ever since. Some might ask this morning as we are, are studying our passage and, and seeing what the Lord says, I know what's on everybody's mind. Or if not everybody, most people, I know those that aren't in church are probably thinking this, is that with everything that's happened in the, with the flood in South Carolina and with the shootings in Oregon and in Charleston where people of God were slain because of their testimony for Christ. Okay, I know gun control is an issue, but no one is addressing the fact that Christians were killed because they gave a faith-based proclamation that they were believers in Christ. That did not happen overseas. One of them happened right in our very own state. The world is getting crazier. And unfortunately, when we first heard about school shootings, I remember one of the first big ones was Columbine in Colorado. But now it seems like every month, there's another one, and, and we don't like to admit this, but we, we kind of become desensitized to it. The first one's like, oh my goodness, can you see what happened? And then now today when we hear a shooting, there's another shooting. We just get used to it. It's commonplace. And that's what happens when evil runs unchecked. And so there may be Christians here today. I know I've asked this at times. Where is God in all of this? I know that there are those that do not believe in God and say, if God was real, he wouldn't let any of this happen. So my question is, is God still speaking to us today or have we just become too deaf to hear it? On and on, we ask God questions like where, when, how, and most importantly, why? If you have breath in your lungs today, you have at one point asked God, why did so-and-so happen? And most of you know, if you haven't found out already, we're not going to get the answer to that question on this side of heaven. We'll find out everything 
and know what God knows when we get on the other side of heaven. But is it possible, is it even a remote chance that you and I could thrive spiritually today in this world? Is God speaking? Can we even hear his voice? Is God speaking in the floods? Is God speaking in the shootings? Well, the writer of Hebrews answers this with a resounding yes in chapter 11. We see the writer include what is now known as the heroes of faith or the hall of fame. So we know this. God does speak today. God's voice is loud and clear for those who choose to listen to it. God speaks today. How does God speak today? Number one, first and foremost, God has said everything we ever need to understand in his word. God can speak straight to our hearts by reading this Bible. Now, the Bible itself, this is, this is made, mine's made of some bonded leather and some onion skin pages and some ink. And that's not what makes this Bible special. What makes the Bible special is the inspiration behind it. It is the message found within it. So God does speak today through his word. God does speak today through the Holy Spirit. We found in the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost, we know that that we are left with the Holy Spirit who intercedes. How do you understand the Bible when you read it? Because the Holy Spirit is your translation. I don't know about you, but there I've been some places in America where I really felt like I was in another country because no one spoke English and, and I had to figure out what everybody was saying. If you've ever been in that situation, it's kind of awkward, isn't it? But what I found out was is that it's just like this. Someone trying to read the scriptures without the Holy Spirit translating for them, it'll be nearly impossible to get any meaning out of this. So someone who's trying to defend their position of not believing in God will read a chapter and say, that didn't mean anything to me. I told you God doesn't speak. That's a very close-minded way to look at it. But he speaks through his word. He speaks through his spirit. And last but not least, where we're camping at today, he speaks through the faith of his people. God speaks through the faith of his people. And like I said, later we're going to look at how he specifically spoke to those mentioned in here this morning. But to get started, before we can get to that, before we can pass go and before we can collect $200 like you do in Monopoly, don't you wish Monopoly money was real money, right? Just print it off. We would all be rich, right? But before we can go to the people of faith and what they did, we have to all agree that God is still speaking and working today. God is working through people of faith, not only in these great Old Testament heroes, but through the heroes that are sitting in these pews this morning. Some of you may not feel like a hero of the faith. Some of you might not feel like a Moses or a Jacob or, or a David. But you know what? Everything is relative. If, if you are here today and you have a testimony that Christ has saved you and you're doing your best to share that with other people, you are what this passage calls a hero of the faith. So if people who are tuned out to God think God is not speaking, that must mean that his people are not speaking loud enough for him. 
because he does call people to be heroes of faith. Let's look at our passage in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. To, to have confidence, or to have confidence in our faith, we must believe that God is still speaking. We see in, in verses 1 through 3, he says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For our ancestors won God's approval by it. Just a, a pause there. Understand that, that when God saved people, God worked in people's lives in the Old Testament, it was because of their faith in him. But still, their faith allowed God to work through them, but they still needed the same blood of Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sins as you and I do. We see that verse 2, for our ancestors won God's approval by it. By faith we understand that the universe was created by God's command so that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. Well, in the first verse we see that our faith to hear God must be placed in that which is certain. To hear God we must place our faith in that which is certain. You see, our faith in God rests not in what might happen, but the conviction of what will happen. Let me say that one more time to see if that makes sense. Our faith in God rests in not what might happen, but the conviction of what will happen. This hope that he's talking about for believers, this hope that we have, just as they were expecting the Messiah to come and Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of him being the Messiah from the Old Testament to the New Testament, so we still wait today for his second coming. And we know that even though today is not great, we know that tomorrow or someday in the future to come, we know that we have hope. Our faith in God rests not on what might happen, but the conviction of what will happen. Have you ever dealt with uncertainty? I'm the king of that. I don't know why, but, but here lately in the past couple of months, when I pull out of my driveway and get out of my neighborhood, as soon as I get out of my neighborhood, I ask myself one question. Did I remember to shut the garage door? And then the whole battle starts. Do I, do I keep driving and just say, oh, well, I'm, I'm sure I closed it? Or do you go back and you double check again. Well, after I wrestle with the uncertainty, I go back and I check it. Not once, but twice. This must have happened over the past couple weeks about five or six times. Get out. And then I got to where now, seriously, when I pull out of the driveway, okay, James, you're shutting the garage door. The garage door is all the way down. And then I'm good. Well, then, wouldn't you know it, a couple days ago, I thought, I'd let the dog out to use the bathroom before I left, and I thought, I wonder if I locked that back door because I, our neighborhood has some break-ins, and I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to leave everything unsecured. So I go back, and doggone it, I had left that door unlocked. So you know what that's going to do? Every time I pull out of my house now, did I lock that door? 
become uncertain about that. Or, I mean, we all have things that we're uncertain about, like, uh, am I going to eat that? Or is, is this person going to act a certain way? And if, if I do this, will this happen? If I do that? But see, here's the thing. Uncertainty, it leads to doubt. And then when we doubt God, we have a lack of faith. And when we have a lack of faith in God, it leads to sin. Why is our world in sin? Because they lack the faith in God. Because they doubt. It always takes just a seed of doubt. And if anybody in here has a pulse this morning, at some point in your life you thought, am I really saved? Am I really a Christian? What if everything that I've been doing is a farce. What if all of these educated people are right? What if I'm wrong? And then before you know it, you're in sin. Or what if the Bible, the Bible says this, but I doubt it really meant that. And, and it was written long ago, so, so we can reinterpret it in our age. Just a little bit of doubt leads to a validation of sin. So if you're uncertain about whether God speaks today or not, that is not a mind problem. It is a heart problem. I assure you that God is speaking today to people. He's speaking to you. But, but even worrisome, even more worrisome is the mantra of today that says, those of many faiths will reach heaven. It's called relativism. In other words, whatever you believe is okay, we're all going to get in the same place. Now listen, I'll go ahead and tell you what. If I want to go to Charlotte and I believe in my heart that I could go 85 south, I'll never get there. It doesn't matter how right I think I am. I know to go to Charlotte, I'll go to 85 north. And there are so many people that can say, well, I believe that we can go to heaven by being good. And at the end of the day, we're going to get on the big scales of karma. And what the good is going to hopefully outweigh the bad. Well, I'm here to tell you, Christian, we are born evil. We have sin in our lives. And there is no amount of good that can overcome the evil that is in our life. That is why Jesus Christ came to the cross. That is why he died for you. That is why when you receive him as your Savior and Lord, his light will cast out any darkness of uncertainty, any, undar- any thoughts of death, any thoughts of, of, did I really do this or not? Because you are saved. When I'm sitting at the bed of somebody who's about to pass away and they have doubts and I can tell them beyond a shadow of a doubt that I remember when they prayed to receive Christ and I remember when they were baptized and in those last moments when they're torturing themselves and they're uncertain, I can say, God's word does not lie and you are a Christian and your next breath will be in eternity. That is not my opinion. That is the book, the word of God. Why do we live in an uncertain world? Because we do not want to take God at his word. From the moment the serpent asked Eve, he said, did God really say you couldn't eat that fruit? From the moment of that doubt, from the moment of that uncertainty, we were sunk. We were lost in our sin and needed Jesus Christ to come back to die for our sins. Only his blood can cover that kind of debt. 
But if you're here today and you're wondering if all of this is real, and if God, if this is just some kind of metaphysical, existential type of journey that we're taking, I'm here to tell you something. Your life with God right now will be better than your life without it. And heaven is just a bonus. The more you doubt, the more you waver, the more unstable you're going to be and the more miserable you are going to be. Because as the writer says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. In other words, this is a messed up world. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse, but our hope is not in our politicians. Our hope is not in our tax bracket. Our hope is not in our financial nest egg. Our hope is not in the cars we drive or the, the, the clothes we have on our back or the degrees that are hanging on our wall or the number of friends we have on Facebook. We hope for a future with Jesus Christ. We know that whatever today is going to happen we know that God's hand is in it, and it's going to get better. Folks, certainty comes in allowing our faith to be tested. Our faith in eternity comes in believing His Word and the work of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. If you want to be certain about your faith, allow yourself to be tested. Look, you can work in your, your workshop and go to the Internet and download directions on how to build a chair. But you're not going to know whether that chair works or not until you sit in it and test it. And if you've ever had to put together furniture out of those boxes, the box is like this and the furniture is like the size of a wall. <laughs> you don't know that bookcase is going to work until you put some books on it. You don't know your faith is real unless you are allowing it to be tested. Take a risk. Share his word. Share with serve Jesus with people that you're uncomfortable with sharing to. Spend time in His Word. Pray not just at, at dinner or on Sunday mornings, but just as you're going down the road or just when, when things are tough, just say, God, this is what I'm going through. Put Him to the test. Test your faith. The more you test it, the more real it will become. Because I'm here to tell you, if coming to church and sitting in the pew is the only test your, your faith is getting, it's not tested at all. Well, the second thing we see is that others who have heard God's voice, they led, <coughs> excuse me, they led by example. Verse 2 says, for our ancestors won God's approval by it, it meaning by their faith. We see biblical heroes, the heroes of the Old Testament, place their faith in God. And they were approved by God because of their faith. Even in the New Testament, when Jesus would heal people, he didn't say other, anything other than it's your faith that has healed you. True Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of the circumstances. Do you want God to speak to you? Put yourself in a situation where you need to hear from Him. There's four common traits of Bible heroes in Hebrews 11. Number one is God spoke to them through His Word. The second thing, God reached each one of them 
in a different yet specific way. The way I came to the Lord is not the way Tammy came to the Lord. Or it's not the way Donna came to the Lord. Or anyone in here. All of us have a different story. So why aren't we sharing it? Everyone who is a Christian has a story. Whether you are 8 or 80. Or beyond that bracket or below that bracket. Again, if we have a pulse, we have a story. These these biblical heroes, they obeyed God. And God, as a witness, praised them for their work. And as I said, next week we'll look at that. But how can God speak? God speaks through the faithfulness of us. And also, God speaks to us through the faithfulness of our friends. I want to show you some verses that uh, you can uh, write down here. Uh, the first one is 1 Corinthians 15, 33. And the second one is Proverbs 13, 20. 15, 33, as the screen says, says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Another way of saying this would be kind of like if your parents used to say, if your friends jumped into a fire, would you jump in it too? And the, the answer is probably no, but we probably would if the truth be told. You ever heard the saying, if you lie down with dogs, you're going to get fleas? I never liked that one. It kind of makes me itch even thinking about it. But it's true. The, the people that we keep will determine the kind of people we are. Do you want to know what kind of person you are? If, if you sit me down with three of your friends, I will tell you in five minutes what kind of person you are. Because the people we run with are the people that are just like us. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Some of the best prayers parents can pray for their children is God, give them Christian friends. God, keep them away from those that want to do evil. Proverbs 13.20 says, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a comparison of fools will suffer harm. If you're a Christian and you go to your drinking buddies for advice, that's not the best thing to do. If you're looking in horoscopes for your next move, that's not too smart. If you're looking for marriage advice from people that have not been married or have had failed marriages over and over again, that's probably not a good thing to get. I'm not saying it's wrong to talk to them. And I'm not saying it's wrong to associate with them. It's not. Because they are people that you can reach out to. But when it comes to hearing God's voice, you want to surround yourself with people that hear His voice as well. And the, the next round of verses in Proverbs 18.24 says, A man with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. Verse, Proverbs 27.17 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. The other one says, Revelation 14.9-12, he says, And a third angel followed them and spoke with a loud voice. If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives the mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath, which is mixed full strength in the cup of his anger. Boy, this is exciting, isn't it? Talking about the mark of the beast and the second coming. We say, oh, I'm a Christian preacher. I'm not going to get the mark of the beast. Well, if the mark of the beast means whether you eat or not, whether it means, let's say Some say it's your social security number. What if all of a sudden they decide to tattoo everybody's social security number on their hand or their forehead? 
And that's where you get all of your transactions from. And if you decide not to take that mark, you're off the grid. We like to think we wouldn't take it, but you never know. But anyway, he says here, he says that in verse 11, And the smoke of their torment will go up forever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast. And his image, or anyone who receives the mark of his name, this demands the perseverance of the saints who keeps God's commands and their faith in Jesus Christ. If there was ever a mandate, if there was ever a goal, a purpose for the church, it is the perseverance of the saints. That your attendance here today, you listening to God's word, you sharing God's words with others, you are helping others to persevere. As the days grow darker, folks, you're going to need support from friends of faith. You're going to need people that are going to speak God's truth into your life. And quite frankly, there are going to be people that need the same for you. And I know there are people out there that say, well, preacher, you don't need to be going to church to be a Christian. I can say technically, yes, you're right. But you will not have the truth of God spoken into you by people of faith by hiding from people of faith. You will not impact others with your faith. If your faith can't go as far as a lazy boy. Where do you find people to speak on God's behalf in your life? In prayer groups, churches, when you're sharing the gospel, when you see other Christian friends through prayer. I I think of a great illustration. There's a a guy named Scott McCowan. You you probably haven't heard of him, but he was a, a friend of mine in middle school. And then to make a very long story short, our dads both got transferred to uh, Lyman, South Carolina. And so I, here I was at Boring Springs Middle School, and all of a sudden he came up and hit me on the shoulder or something like that, like middle school, middle school boys do. It hurt. And I said, man, what are you doing that for? And, and I thought it was, I saw it was him. And I had seen him in my other middle school I moved from in Virginia. And all of a sudden we became friends. And as middle school friendships go, you know, we... We ran around the same people, then we ran around different people. And, and long story short, uh, God got a hold of my life through some things. And then I can remember one day, the phone rang, and he called me, and he said, James, I want to let you know I became a Christian. And I thought, you, this is, you are so rude to make fun of my profession of faith. Calling me and making fun of me for for accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior. He said, no, I'm serious. He said, James, I accepted Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And that was like at the end of middle school, the beginning of high school. And I'll tell you what today, you wouldn't have me as a preacher today if it wasn't for the friendship of Scott McCallum. Because during high school, we were there for each other. When I was weak, he was strong. When he was strong, I was weak. But it was the faith of friends that got us through. Some of the best prayers you could pray today is, Oh God, give me a friend of faith. Maybe your best prayer is this, Oh God, let me be a friend of faith to another person. Because here's the crazy part. You realize sometimes when I get up here, 
I have no idea what I'm saying. Some of you are, yeah, I agree, preacher. But seriously, I have notes and I have these outlines and all these things that I prepare, but sometimes I just open my mouth and there's something else at work within me. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm humbled by it. Because there are times when God, I don't know why, but He chooses to speak through me. And God has used many of you in here to speak to me. God has used you. Don't take that lightly. God speaks through His Word. God speaks through godly people. God can speak through you. Finally, we see here in verse 3, nothing happens without God's command. Verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by God's command, so that what is seen has been made from the things that are not visible. I want you to understand this. God is not bound by your understanding of him or my understanding of him. He's not bound by the laws of physics that I studied when I was in college. He is not bound by what you can see or what you can prove. God is now not bound by any of that. Nothing happens without God's command. You did not wake up and your feet did not hit the floor today without God orchestrating it. We have to realize that. So God speaks through our daily lives and everything has existed. And, and I want you to see here that in verse 3, there, there's a little dig that I want you to catch where he says, by faith we understand the universe was created by God's command so that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. Made from things that are not visible was a direct counterattack to the beliefs in that day. The belief of many people when this was written was that God created the earth out of what was already there. In other words, I used to love playing with Legos. Man, those things were the best things in the world. And you, you would, I would get in the middle of the floor and dump a huge bucket of them out. And it's like, what am I going to create today? But folks, if I didn't have a certain piece, if I didn't have a wheel, if I didn't have a motor, if I didn't have a four block instead of a two block, I couldn't put it together. And then, so the, the feeling of that was, was that when God created the world, he created from what was already here. And, you know, many have tried to marry creation and evolution in that way. That, that, that sentiment is still here today of saying that, well, Darwin was right, but so was God. God used what was already here, and it just kind of evolved. Well, let me ask you something. If God was powerful enough to create our world by speaking it into existence, does he really need to depend on what was already there for his creation? If he was able to speak it, he says, then there was light. Nothing happens without God's command. Nothing touches our lives without God's hand upon it. So the things that are happening to you happening to you in your life, your goal and to my goal is to say what is God trying to show me through this?
There's two truths to remember. Number one, remember everything is God's, so you and I must use it as God intended it to be used. And the second thing is, even though you may not like it at times, God is in control. When it comes to acting upon God's actions in our lives, we we asked earlier at the beginning of the service, where is God in the floods? Where is God in the shootings? I'll tell you where he is. He's in the lives of those people that have picked up what they from and got up from what they were doing to go down and help other people. It was from folks like you and I digging out of our pocketbooks and putting in money to help people that are there or buying buckets of, of cleaning supplies to make sure that other people can go down there and do it. Where is God in all these shootings? God was with all those people that are praying for those grieving families and those people that died who were not killed in vain. God is in the middle of everything that's happening in this world. Whether it be in Homeland Park, in the, in the storms of your life, or over in the Middle East, God is in control. So let me close with this. Do not give up. God is speaking today. God is using you today. God is using those around you today. 2 Corinthians 4 Verses 14 through 18 put it this way. When we are speaking and acting upon God's behalf, we must not give up. And it says in verse 14, we know that one, the one who raised the Lord, Jesus, will raise also us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit, so that grace extended through more and more people may cause thanksgiving to increase to God's glory. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed and our inner person is being renewed day by day, for our momentary light of affliction is producing us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. And here you go. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God is speaking. Do not give up today. Keep striving. Keep reading. Keep praying. Keep serving. But I will say this, and and you know this is coming, but it's the truth. For those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, they will never hear God. There's this cute little video on Facebook about, it's amazing the technology that they have for hearing today. And they show this little baby that is hearing his mother's voice for the first time because of technology. It is so sweet. It'll make you cry. I didn't cry because I'm tough. No, I shed a tear. It was so beautiful to see that baby look into his mother's eyes and hear her voice for the first time. Folks, if that is not a great picture of salvation, of being lost in sin, having no hope of heaven, and hearing God's voice for the very first time. 
If you hear his voice today and you're not a Christian, I pray that you come forward and we will make sure that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a Christian. We'll pray for you. We'll disciple you. And we'll teach you what the Lord has for your life. Or maybe you just have prayer needs or would like to come forward and kneel at the altar. Or maybe join this church. This invitation time is for God's glory and your opportunity. Would you please stand?